It's Tuesday, January 19th, 2021, and you're listening to episode 560 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 33 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. I'm Brodor. Brodor, you... <laughs> Sounds so melodic. <laughs> I say, you holding on tight, at least you're not icing up any ladders or whatever no no i'm not i am revved up like a deuce but uh (laughs) but but i am no i have not been up any actually that's not true i was on the ladder last week and doing some painting maybe that wasn't a good idea um yeah well so it was secure i was fine (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah i was fine it wasn't the previous time or no no i was i was good okay yeah good good (laughs) All right. Uh, I won't ask the other obvious questions. So let's get right. Into- <laughs> yes, yes, I was. <laughs> let's get right <laughs> into the topic. This is one that, like the past, I guess, two or three episodes, came from my stint role playing on an MMO. But this question, I'm pleased to have a group here for because this one certainly applies more broadly to role playing as a whole. But it was something that happened in this MMO that brought this question to mind. I think I mentioned in one of the previous episodes, might have been the solo one I did, that there is an individual who's been asking me to role play in detail a lot of medical stuff. And I don't mean. Ugh. I don't mean ERP play doctor. You know, I, I hate medical drama and role play. It well, takes so long. Well, right. But the, I guess the nice thing about this, at least, is unlike a normal group thing, you can go off on the side when it's only mm. the two of you around or something and do it. What MMO is this? Final Fantasy 14. How much medical role play is there in it? There's magic. Right. Here, take a potion. I, I could give you an answer to that on both why it is somewhat not super common, but it's there and why it actually does make sense in the setting, but it would be a huge tangent that I think nobody would want. And what is the medical classification for someone who is sexually attracted to medical procedural? And how much have you read about it since meeting this person? So, all right, that's, I'm not going to lie. That is one of the things that crossed my mind is, does this individual maybe have what's called a factious disorder or something like that? Because in the Venn diagram of our two intellects, the only place where we overlap is depravity. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and my first thought was... And apparently story topic when you write (laughs) to flash fiction. Also true. I, my first I thought, thought it was like a speculum in my pee hole sort of thing. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be. I don't know. That crossed my mind as well. Is, is there some kind of weird fetish to this? Because one of the things that I've learned over the past maybe five years or so is that there are fetishes for everything. You name it, someone gets off to it. It is bizarre and also negative topic territory so i'm not going to get into that but the point is right so like why is it this person is so fascinated with it and i'm able to kind of bs it because i've got a lot of medical people in my family i've been hearing it all of my life so i can at least speak at a conversant level as if i was a medical professional even though i most definitely am not and they even started asking me like so would you be willing to also do like dental stuff 
And I'm like, did they ask if you have an OnlyFans? <laughs> like, I don't know anything about dentistry at all. I actually know more about the dentistry of dogs than I do humans. Because they might be into that. <laughs> they might be. But, all right, so I was like, what? Big, phallic canine mouth, yeah. Are these topics really dead asking for help? <laughs> is is right. he reaching out and saying, I have got myself in a situation I can't get out of. Dan, There's somebody online. And this person, they don't want to role play. They want to role play. They want to get freaky deaky with you, man. All I know is that you put the lotion on your skin. <laughs> <laughs> that is obviously weird and idiosyncratic. Mm-hmm. Even within the terms of role playing on MMO, that is weird and idiosyncratic. But the topic it got me thinking about is so why do people role play in the first place? In general? In general. Because this is not because that's, an MMO topic. Right, right. right. That right. specific thought experiment of why does this person want to role play this? Right. Got me in my mind running down the reasons of why people want to role play anything at all. Mm-hmm. You know, why is this hobby attractive to us and attractive to, quite frankly, most of society, though they just don't structure it and call it make believe right. or whatever? But people love to put themselves into the shoes of someone or something else and thinking about why this person wanted this thing got me mentally enumerating. The reasons that I have encountered over the years, and actually John Grana, who does still ostensibly exist on the show, mm-hmm. even though I don't think any of us have seen him in a few years, uh, he came in and on that topic and actually gave us another one to add to the list. So thank you, John, for that. <laughs> show up. Anyway, now before we get into the actual list, there is something that I want to lay out, which is why I think this is worth talking about. Why I think it is worthwhile to know what motivates a particular individual to role play. And as we talk about this, we've got, I don't know, it's like nine or ten of different buckets of reasons. And obviously, there may be some I've not thought of or we've not thought of or John didn't add. <laughs> and with most people, presumably, you fit across several There's or you have moods, right? But why do I think it is important for us to know what motivates someone to role play? The answer that I'm going to give is because it gives us the best sense of, one, how to handle the player, not the character, but the player at a social level, and how to allow them to get what they want to get out of the game in a healthy manner, or to realize this is a bad idea and get them out of your group. And I don't think most reasons are going to need the latter, but there are a few I've got on here that probably do. For me, one, it's it's going to depend on am I the game master or am I the player? And my motivations are going to be very, very different depending on which role I'm taking on. But then as a player, it's also going to matter significantly what game I'm playing. Like, for example, in the Skies of Glass game, I wanted to explore who was Joe and who was Songbird and who was Marlene and what was this world and I didn't need to throw dice and I didn't need to have combat encounters for the game to be fun and interesting. But in my buddy's uh, every other Friday night, fifth edition D and D game is homebrew that he's doing. I just want to get on the roller coaster and follow the goddamn (laughs) adventure. Um, In fact, I was thinking about cutting another game notes for you about how I have taken over the game, but (laughs) I just wanted the adventures that way, right? So there's the mystery. There's the monster. Let's just throw the 
and dice and fight the thing, right? But it's a different experience. Mm-hmm. I want something. I don't really care a lot about the character development of the other PCs in that right. particular game, right? You're kicking down doors. You're killing bad guys. Right. You're taking their stuff. Right. We are the chosen yeah. of the Olympian gods, and there are bad guy cultists that are making demons oh, and man, wicked stuff. Kill those guys. We and need to stop. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like I need to fucking die. Absolutely. Because I need that belt. It's really shiny. Yeah. And it's yeah. so good for my. AC. Just like <laughs> in a BattleTech game, you want to get in a big giant mech and destroy things. However, it doesn't actually logically make much sense to be in a big mech because there's a lot of more effective ways to do the missions. So even though you as a player want it, sometimes you have to bounce around the character logic to give you as a player what you well, want. Well, there there has to be some... not to. I mean, this, this could actually be its own topic, but I do believe that there has to be some uh, genre awareness yep. of the player. Like Battletech, why are we in these big, expensive, antique mechs stomping around when we can just call in artillery yeah. strikes? Because right. the game we agreed to play was Battletech, Battletech yeah. not... Artillery strike. Yeah. I, and, well, and, and I want to, I don't want to play artillery strike. I want to play Stompy Max. Yeah. So. And then when I look over this list that we've got here of about nine different reasons, I know that I have fit not just in multiple buckets in Were general. Are we supposed to read the list? No. Oh, okay. thank God. <laughs> but I also, shit, I didn't even check the forum. Dan had to hit, know, right? hit me up on the Facebook. <laughs> I also change which bucket I'm in from game to game for that reason right. or from day to day just because of the mood I'm in. Isn't it great when everything is a surprise? Yeah, <laughs> it is. That, that's why, you know, I figure it'll be great if I have some form of dementia so severe I'm not aware I have it. Mm. I think if I knew I had it, it would destroy me. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but if I wasn't aware I had it and just every day was fresh and new, mm-hmm. I think it'd be great. There was actually an episode of Enterprise that dealt with that. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to throw out a reason first because you've got your list of nine and I don't think this one is on the list, but it might be. Okay. So I'll throw one out there before. <laughs> no, there are people out there that game because they want to have social interaction with friends but they're not particularly good at social interaction and gaming provides a structure mechanism and rules that allows them to be social and interact with people but have a framework to do it so they don't feel uncomfortable and out of place i feel like that i have game with that person at conventions and apologize to them (laughs) to all permutations of that person with whom i have gamed at conventions. I was yeah. sitting here going like, oh, Brodor, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, oh, crap, so have I. Yeah, no, I definitely, <laughs> yeah. no, I definitely, because, yeah, I because that, people at conventions. because yeah. I am completely, mm-hmm. when someone is socially awkward, particularly at the gaming table, I'm wicked, unaware, mm-hmm. and unsympathetic. And, yeah. And I, I can think of a couple gamers I know about this that are regular gamers, that that's one of the reasons they game. But like you guys, I can think of people at cons that I think that's one of the reasons that they do it. Mm-hmm. And they do tend to be the ones that if they get called out to role play right away and they're not already into the game, they get really uncomfortable because they want that structure and it hasn't been built up yet. Which is where Brodor and I come in with our complete non-awareness of the situation and just grab people by the scruff of the neck and say, hey, adventure, that cultist has my belt. Let's go kick his ass. Yeah, verbally, I'm a hammer and every conversation's a nail. It's one of the great (laughs) things about gaming as a hobby is that it is a social hobby. For a lot of people like Mm -hmm. that, they make friends out of it. They have a hard time making friends as themselves, but they meet at a table as somebody else. And then pieces of yourself come out at the table. Before gaming, after gaming, between, 
And that's how they build some of their relationships and meet mm-hmm. people is because they had a structure that let them right. do that, where like a bar is completely out of their wheelhouse. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that is something you're right, Wayne, it's not on the list, is a structure to socialize. And I guess you could throw alongside that even just the general desire to socialize. Now, what I'm not going to add to the list is people who are there because that's the only way they see their friends because I'm trying to describe why people want to role play, not why somebody just so happens to be at the table. But that one is actually a really good one though. This is a preferred way to socialize or meet people because either they like the hobby or because it creates a sort of structure that allows them to get to know people. In fact, I have found that not just through, role-playing at the tabletop, but really any form of role-playing. It's going back to the MMO. I've gotten to know some people outside of the game because of the fact that playing in the game, you know, a scene would end or whatever, and we just start BSing and messages and eventually get to know each other and go on to become friends or whatever. And so I've seen that not just at tabletop role-playing, but in other forms of role-playing as well. Same thing for board games, like board game meetups. They were a lot of those people at the board game meetups. Well, think of it this way. Say a person has some social anxiety or maybe they're just shy. You know, social engagement drains their energy, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, role-playing games are perfect. People are inherently social. Even yeah. your total introvert, hermit in the hills, say, I'm an introvert. I don't like people. Okay, you are. I'm not saying you're not, but you're still a human being. Human beings are social. It's just, we're, that's just how we're made. Yeah. And... A role-playing game, a person who who loses that energy when they're around people, it starts at a set time on a set day so that they can kind of mentally prepare themselves to do what they need to do. I don't know because I'm not one of those types of people, but they can kind of do what they need to do, go to the thing, have their social interaction, and it ends at a specific time, too. And so they know that there's going to be a drop-off point where they can just punch out and then go home and recharge. And there's less of that awkward... Is it time to go? Is it not time to right. go? Because the game has an end se- of the session. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't think it's just going to be people who are introverted, but I think another example would be people who are, to be blunt, on the spectrum, that this provides a structured interaction. This provides a set of expectations, an easier way of knowing what's coming, of how to read people, et cetera, et cetera. It provides a lot of cues and a lot of, sort of ways to bypass things that real world situations don't always allow for. You know, you can't say I want to engage in diplomacy and do that with 2d6 in the real world. And mm-hmm. so once again, I don't want right. to get overly broad here, but I know people that's true. Of. I don't think that I am outing her, but because we had Elizabeth cook on the show and interviewed her about being a trans gamer. She reached out to me just the other day, and I didn't know we were doing this topic, talking about having a trans NPC in the game to help her explore trans Mm. issues with her community of friends and the people with whom she games. So, Broder, you've pushed us to the second one, (laughs) which, well... The second one we're going to hit. Yeah, I can't take credit for it. She asked me about it and I was like, I don't, I've not done that. That's a brilliant idea. Which is exploration of self. That sometimes there are some traits about yourself that you can only 
feel safe expressing or exploring in some kind of a detached way. And it sounds like that was one step out, even over that, not just exploring of self, but exploring of how is everyone else going to react to myself? Yeah, I think that's a great point, Wayne, is also seeing how others will respond to it, sort of testing the waters with it, trying to figure out why it's there, trying to dissect your own psyche, trying Mm -hmm. to work through trauma. Have you ever wondered why teenagers are so awkward and weird? Not really. (laughs) Well, you should, because it's fascinating. All right. So teenagers, young men and women, are awkward and weird. They go through the phases, as us old geezers call it. You know, it's like maybe they'll dye their hair. Maybe they'll wear fangs. Maybe they'll wear a cape. That sort of thing. Maybe they'll do strange stuff that... You just went three points down, Wayne. I did. I haven't (laughs) actually put them on, but I have a new pair of fangs. That's awesome. You use your tongue to uh, hit like. I bet you do use your tongue. And they drop. Uh-huh. So <laughs> use her tongue and it drops, drops right? Yeah. Like a slide whistle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, teenagers and you know, preteens and stuff, they go through these phases. They do these things that we look at as weird. Part of it is, well, we're just old and culture has changed and we, we just don't get it. But really a lot of it is, you know, why do they have weird hairstyles? Why do they do the colored hair? Why do they experiment with this? Why do they do that? It is the perfect time because none of it matters. They yeah. can do something like wear fangs or a cape, yeah. and they're not going to lose their senior executive position that they've worked 20 years to get in a big corporation because they're teenagers. And it is the time to experiment and, and do that sort of thing. So that doesn't go away when we at this table stop being teenagers. We just have to stop doing it. Yeah, we have yeah. to start repressing it. Exactly. What does role-playing games allow us to do? It allows us to experiment and do stuff. It allows me to get into the mind of an alcoholic asshole. Yeah. Who actually, deep down inside, is a good guy. I'm not an alcoholic. Uh, Despite what people think, I don't think I'm an asshole. (laughs) Well, well, here we're getting into different ones. But, you know, (laughs) it's like that intrigued me. So I don't have to buy like well, a the, handle of Jack and start becoming an alcoholic. Well, let's bounce that then to a third one, which is exploration of others. And by others, I don't mean others at the table. What I mean is, let's call them alien minds or foreign minds, mm. or not your own mind, right? Now, mm. obviously, all role playing comes originally from your own mind. But the person you want to play Maybe someone you are nothing like or not a whole lot like. And so you want to see what happens in the life or in the mind of someone who's an alcoholic bully. Mm -hmm. And so you pick that up and play that in a role playing game or you're trying to understand just how some other portion of society lives. And so RP gives you that opportunity to try and see what it's like to be something you're not or to be someone you're not. I love in a game when I find myself arguing a point that I vehemently disagree with. Mm -hmm. And I am always freaked out and a little Mm -hmm. disturbed when I win the argument. Yeah. I think playing NPCs alone does that for me, that I have to make their views plausible. Right. And make them, you know, I don't know, especially in games that don't have simple morality, like let's say mm-hmm. D&D does. Where it's more- like when you're doing it, you get a little bit competitive and you want it to win. But in the back of your mind, you feel like you're wrong and you yeah. don't want to win the argument because you want 
someone else to tell you you're wrong because you believe you're wrong. Well, it's a, it's a sales thing, right? You're selling a concept of this NPC and you're selling this argument. You don't agree with it. You don't even like the NPC's bad guy. His, 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 what he's arguing is, is terrible and you, you're, you're not down with it. <sighs> the thing is, to be a good salesman, there has to be a part of you that believes in what you're selling. I mean, maybe you haven't completely drank the Kool-Aid and whatnot, or maybe you know it's maybe what you're selling is not the great, but you don't think it's terrible either. There has to be some part of you that believes in what you're selling as a salesman. Same thing is true for a game master. There has to be a little bit of veracity in you for your NPC, even though you hate them, which is an interesting mental exercise to kind of, in that moment, you have to change your mind. And then do the thing where the NPC you don't like yeah. says the thing that you don't want to say, and then you have to change your mind yeah. back. And, and I think described in the simplest terms, if we compare this to exploration of self, this is the difference between sitting down and saying, I want to explore some part of myself, or I want to try and unpack something I've lived through or something that I'm about to live through. And instead you're saying, you know what, there's this complete story or personality that is effectively unrelated to me. Mm -hmm. But I just want to see what it's like to be that person and what kind of stories come out of it and play around a little bit at the empathetic level of being inside their headspace and seeing where does this go. See, for me, it's the opposite of number two. It's complete escape of self, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, oh, yeah. So it's <laughs> not, once you weren't being dirty. Yeah, no, I, I was you like, were the dirty one. I was yeah. waiting for his imagery of sucking it back in. And no, I, <laughs> no, 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 no. I was being serious. What I, what I'm saying is, is that for me, or, or let's say it's the opposite of number three. It, it's not the exploration of other or the exploration of self. It's being anybody but me, mm-hmm. right? And those other things just happen to be spinoff advantages, right? So if I'm playing D&D and I'm the Scythian archer Alakos and I have my stupid background and my fun stuff, even though none of it matters because it's a hack and slash D&D game, I still, when I'm playing that character, I'm in that guy's mindset. Not because I want to be Alakos and I want to explore his very lawful, neutral, black and white, simple, ethical calculus of the universe. Although that's entertaining to me, I just don't want to be Brodor, right? Right. The, when, right. Yes, when, and you've, you've actually hit another right. item on the list, which is escapism. Got you. So yeah. for me, that is it. I mean, from the time I was a little kid sitting on my f***ing wretched c***t of a mother's lap, <laughs> listening to them play Dungeons and Dragons and having nightmares about this Frankenstein's monster flesh golem coming and getting me because they encountered one like from that moment. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it's what I needed. There are lighter ways to put that as well. For example, every character that Chad plays has long flowing hair. (laughs) <laughs> because he you does mean like, like Rodor. Well, yeah. we'll save that one for power fantasies, which is further down the yeah, list. Right. But <laughs> escapism, escapism is a big one for me. It's one of the reasons I always read when I was younger. Yeah, read so much because that was escaping the world. It puts me in a different world. Yeah. I love choose your own adventures because now I can influence that world I'm in. And then video games and video games, I can do things that have a little more impact all culminating in role-playing games, which is the ultimate way to have an impact in 
a story yeah, well, to escape your life and be in a new life. And back in the day, this was one of the issues that was raised against RPGs that I always found somewhat difficult to engage because fundamentally it's correct that people play role-playing games as a form of escapism. And what I realized as I got older and the satanic panic started to wane anyway, and eventually I became part of it, part of the other side, that is, by writing for them and such, was that it's not that role-playing games don't provide escapism. They absolutely do. But so does every other hobby. You know, if somebody sits down and they come home from work and they just want to watch the football game, they don't want you sitting next to them talking to them about office politics. That's what they just came home and wanted to get away from. I don't care if it's reading a book. I don't care if it's drinking a glass of wine in the bathtub. Playing basketball, riding a bike, sports. That's another form of escapism. Yeah. Sure, but the RPG, I would argue, provides a very unique form of escapism that those others do not at least for me as an audience and that's being a participant yeah that's because that's because it's the epitome of all hobbies so that's uh, no, why it gives no, you that I, no i agree i have to agree with you entirely sir the others are just lesser forms of escapism to this ultimate form i i, I agree it's really hard to explain i'm not really into escapism i'm not trying to not think about stuff well um, it's because you have an unhealthy ego i mean <laughs> I have an amazingly good ego. Uh, so going to one of Dan's points of needing to know this so you can address players, mm-hmm. this is something that comes up in gaming and a difference between me and Chad as a player. Mm-hmm. I'm a very big immersion fan. I want to get into it. I want to forget that we're playing a game, push all of that out. And if, for example, I break my way in, open the chest, I want to be told what's in the chest. Mm-hmm. I want that world to have existed and been real. Yeah. Chad doesn't have that same desire for him. He's playing and discovering things, but you would be just as happy. I'm I'm probably Mm -hmm. putting words in your mouth if you were to open the chest and I said, "Okay, Chad, what's in the chest? Right. Right. And for me, it's a creative outlet. Yeah, it is. My friends being creative. Well, pause the creative things. That's actually a different bullet. point. I did not read your bullet. point. Well, this is why I get to pause you. Uh, (laughs) Controlling my show. I think that I think that we should be delighted that we're kicking the shit out of dan's list and have not read it that's true but i think this does give a great example of one of the things we talked about in the prologue to this subject which is if chad is running a game or to him because he's not an obsessive thinker like wayne and i Mm -hmm. are and so he doesn't necessarily need that escape but he's got players that do Mm -hmm. I don't want to dig way down into the weeds here because that'd be a show unto itself, but it raises the question, which we're going to leave unanswered of, so how do you adjust your game to that? You know, I know Chad knows that about me Mm because we've talked about it. I know that if I go into a room and I find a treasure chest, he's not going to say that to me because he, we've used that as an example on the show. So it's something that he knows me as a player to know that, well, that's not something he would need. It's something I need in a game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so since Chad, we've actually touched on a couple here, but since Chad mentioned this one most recently, we'll go to this one next, which is the pure act of creation. Whether that's creating the character, whether that's creating the simulation, the rule system, whether that's creating the setting. But it is fundamentally a creative outlet. Obviously, it's collaborative creation. We can put all these adjectives with creation. 
But that is the driving factor of why someone got into the role-playing game. I'm sure we have all at some point in our role-playing career knew somebody who loved just making characters that they were never going to play. They just enjoyed doing that. I had a brief thing of that myself when I was first introduced to role-playing games because I was so fascinated by all the concepts that I would roll up these Mm -hmm. different characters. Or we know the people that not just create a character, they create an ensemble cast for the character. Right. Yeah. They create their tons of NPCs. They create portions of the setting or the whole setting or whatever. Or what I like to call the GM's best friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The- and that's that's really the joy of the game, aside from the escapism, is as so douchey as this is going to sound. And I'm ashamed that these words are escaping my mouth. But I just want to share that with other people that yeah. I care about. Yeah. And for me, like I was saying earlier, role-playing games are a creative outlet. I have something in me. I can't explain it. I don't know what it is, but it's an idea. And the idea has been growing and percolating and boiling over, and I have to get it out. I have to express it in some way. Otherwise, it's just going to sit in me and it's going to die. And that is terrible because I have such this gigantic ego. How can I deny the world my ideas? (laughs) But... That's one that's one area oh. where you and I are the same is that we both want people to worship at the altar of our genius. Right. I just won't admit it. Well, yeah, the, and in the case of you, Chad, you're not much of a writer. It's not something you enjoy doing. No, no, I'm not. So you have no. that idea. If I had something like that and I need to get it out, I could sit down and I could write something. Right. But you don't have that as an that, outlet yeah, that, that you enjoy. The other thing, too, is that I have this idea. I want to get it out. I also want to see the other people around the table get out. I am friends with very, very creative people. I am friends with awesome people who I love very much, and I want them to express their creativity. Running a game for me is not me running my game and then there are players in it. For me, it's like if you're in a game as a player and you have a game master who is just like weaving this awesome story in this awesome game, to me, running a game is... I have these players who are weaving this awesome story and these interactions and this, these creative ideas. And my job is to kind of keep it going, keep those plates in the air and juggle them. I want to see that my idea, whatever my idea is, is nothing without the interaction of other people. Right. You know, the jokes of ego aside, it's just like, okay, I have this idea. I throw it on the table and everyone's like, oh, that's a good idea. And then they go off and do their stuff. I'm like, <clears throat> I guess that was a terrible idea, and I chuck it out the door. Role-playing games allow me to get my ideas out, and it allows me to see my friends get their creative ideas out and to to see it interact. It creates this crackling energy for me that I just love and I cannot get enough. When I get an idea and I'm running a game, I come up with something I think is really brilliant. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about it as I want to get this brilliant idea out there. The first thing that comes to my mind is I want to see the reaction to it. Mm-hmm. I want to see the, how the players interact with this idea. And that's the part I look forward to kind of on the same lines yeah. of I want to see, oh, what if this person was being mind controlled? How will they react to learning this? Because they hate this character. <laughs> but if the character was really in control of their own faculties, how are they going to interact with that character now? When I'm game mastering, I'm like you in, mm. in that it doesn't exist without the PC's input, Mm -hmm. but there's much more structure there 
before it's presented to the participants. Yeah. Right. So I, I want them to live in this world. It's got boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. There's just no go zones. And sure. the group that I game with now, I game with them long enough that they know where my bad touch spots are <laughs> and they just don't do bad touch. Right. Yeah. But I can't let go of control as a game master to the degree that you do. Mm-hmm. I just can't. I can't do it because it's not fun for me, right? Sure. Like sure, I, yeah. I have this world that I want to build. If it's not fun for you, then my, that's don't my, do it. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. my thing, right? That's yeah. my kink is that I've built this thing that we're all playing with, right? Yeah. Whether it's miniatures or a story or whatever. It's just that I'm the host and hospitality is the most important thing to me and you're my guest. The GM mm-hmm. is not a separate entity. The GM is a player at the table. Just like every other player at the table, the GM needs to be having fun. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the game is a failure. Yeah. Even if you have a table of one GM and four players, four players are having a great time, that GM is miserable, you've got a failed game. Yep. 100%. This has been a production of Fear the Boot. Copyright 2021. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.